This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and today... An interview I did with A.J. Kierstedt. He's the host of The New England Take, another great show and podcast, also broadcast on WKXL. Now, he's a kind of center-right libertarian type. He's like a photo negative of me. I'm kind of like a center-left Democrat. And we always have great conversations. What he goes for and what I go for on Beyond Politics is we don't always have to agree, but we can have lively discussions. It can be thoughtful, fun, don't have to shout. And hopefully listeners finish off feeling better than when they started because they've just listened to a thoughtful, fun exchange between people who like each other. So I hope you'll subscribe to Beyond Politics. I hope you'll subscribe to the New England Take. And here's AJ. It's been a busy couple weeks in news and politics, to put it lightly. And th- and this isn't even talking about Ukraine. Like, I don't even have Ukraine on the agenda for today. Uh, and and I, I've heard a bunch of great interviews on your show on that. I mean, uh, is there a couple things you may want to point out that have been on uh, Beyond Politics the last couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, we've had we've what we go for on Beyond Politics is, I mean, you're right. There's so much going on. A lot of it is, if we can say this on the radio, kind of a crap storm. It's it's sort of a crap tornado, a uh, crap NATO. I think there was something on uh, the Sci-Fi Channel about that. It's crap NATO, and a lot of it. And what I mean by that is, a lot of these stories are they're kind of crap. You know, mm-hmm. like they're they're sort of they're not that significant in in the wider world. We do our level best to have real, thoughtful, but interesting conversations with people who know what the heck they're talking about. So we had Max Bergman. He's a former State Department, high-level policy staffer, kind of take, he's an expert on Eastern Europe and Russia. It's perfect, mm-hmm. right? Exactly what you're looking for. And he just gave us a behind-the-scenes look at what's going on. Like, how is the U.S. trying to manage this? What's it like inside the State Department right now? What are you worried about? What are they thinking about? What are the outcomes you could have here? That was a great episode. We had Sean Carberry, who was the former lead Kabul reporter in Afghanistan for NPR. Um, He's written widely about the Middle East. He's obviously a security and journalism expert. Talked about reporting from a war zone. What's going on there? How do you get sources? How do you do this if you're a journalist on the ground? So we've had some really excellent experts. Anyone can check out Beyond Politics. If you want to hear more from Max, uh, especially about our relationship with Europe and how that factors in, we also did another episode with him in the Great Ideas podcast. So all those are available. And you know, if you want to learn something real quick on this and, and just get a smart take, not a lot of politics in it, those are good shows. And also, if you want to learn more of the historical aspects of uh, the situation in Ukraine, I suggest you check out the couple of the back episodes of the New England Take. Last week, I had um, Lawrence Reardon, who's a professor who specializes in uh, China relations, which definitely has an impact in the situation going on with Ukraine and Russia. He's over at the University of New Hampshire. And I had a uh, political science oh, – good God, I'm sorry – other professor from UNH history uh, talking about um, the the his, the Eastern Ukraine and the the implications of just the ethnic and uh, nationalistic aspects of it. It's so complex. There's so many aspects to it. 
But let's get into what's going on this past week, especially. I'm really interested. In the, are we to, going to the crap NATO? Yeah, crap NATO time. We're gonna we're going cheap right. crap NATO for this week too. This is top of the line. Beautiful. I mean, this interests me primarily because I'm a news nut and evaluating how the news, how with mainstream media covers things and how the world perceives. Um, whether it's a from political perspective or a culture war perspective, is really interesting to me. J- just for getting down in the weeds and a little wonky in the work field of journalism. But Taylor Lorenz is a very controversial writer. She's she was at the Times. She left to go write some books that someone bought, and then she now she's over at the Washington Post. It, she did in I don't even know if I want to call it an expose. It wasn't really much of an expose when it comes to content of what went on over a Twitter account called Libs of Tip TikTok. It's a, uh, it, it really rose to prominence of, uh, several months ago when uh, Joe Rogan promoted it on the show a couple times. And it is a, if you're on the, the, the um, conservative side of the culture war, it is the place you go to get the latest and craziness of uh, a, a common phrase for it is nut picking. I mean, is that how would you phrase that? I mean, it's, it's really for the nut, nut picking for people on the left. Sure. Why not? I, I'm, <laughs> I'm down with all the hip terms. Let's go with that one. <laughs> because it's, it's literally picking the craziest examples you can possibly find. They started off just covering TikTok because there's a lot of weirdos on TikTok. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, what your niche is. I'm on there. I get a kick out of military TikTok. They're crazy at what they're, what they're up to over there, both domestic and foreign. And um, it, But there's also a lot of culture stuff on there for what what lives at TikTok really went after was uh, teachers and what they call indoctrination of students or uh, kind of some weird things that, on, that actually got some uh, – Teachers fired for legitimate circumstances too. Let's not forget about that. That was totally skipped in in uh, Lorenz's article. But um, right wing social media exploded over this ex- this this article because it, it literally had her home address linked right in it. I mean, in modern terms, once again, as a millennial who's hip with the words, I, as you just said, <laughs> it's doxing, and that's that was my biggest thing that really upset me about this article. Yeah, I feel like Donald Trump here. It's like, use words, use the best words. You've got all the words. Yeah. All right. So look, I'm going to date myself here by making a reference to a Simpsons episode that came out before half of your audience was alive. There is a Halloween episode where Homer goes into a spooky shop and he wants to buy a monkey's paw. And the proprietor says, it's cursed. And Homer says, that's bad. And the proprietor says, but it comes with a free frozen yogurt. And Homer says, that's good. And the proprietor says, the frozen yogurt is also cursed. Homer says, that's bad. Says, but it comes with free sprinkles. That's good. The, you know, the sprinkles contain, you know, some carcinogen. He's like, can I go now? That's how I feel about this Taylor Lorenz story. Okay. Every layer that you bring into it, I'm like, well, that's bad. Well, that's good, but that's bad, but that's good. And finally, I end up with, can I go now? This is what I meant when I referred before to a crap. NATO. Okay. So first of all, first of all, I am not going to defend Taylor Lorenz. I don't really follow who she is. She has a reputation of being kind of vapid and a little bit social media thirsty and not having a lot of substance to her, you know? And, and so I, I don't know. I don't follow her. I don't read her, whatever. I just want to point out that for all the right wing media that's losing their minds and kind of giving themselves 
you know, a, a little bit of a sugar high, like, oh, yes, oh, yeah. we get oh, to totally lose our right. minds yeah. over this. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Let's not hand a Profiles in Courage award out to the idiot behind libs of TikTok quite yet. Let's just remember that what she was doing with a lot of these videos is she was going online, finding a video and saying, oh, this person talked about being gay. They're a groomer. Groomer. Yep. If you're gay, you must be a groomer. And I don't love the idea. I mean, you're a libertarian. I'm I'm center left, but I have some great sympathy for the libertarian point of view. I truly do. And I think it should offend any American left, right or center to turn justice into vigilante mob justice. Right. And that's what if you don't like doxing, I don't like doxing because it's vigilante mob justice. But I also don't like what this libs of TikTok woman was doing either going online, taking videos out of context. Were some of them crazy? Were some of them nut picking? Sure. I bet some of them were nutty. Maybe some teachers deserve to get fired. I don't know who in America deserves to lose their job without due process. Without, I, I don't, I don't want to see people tried in a court of public opinion. I want to see them, if they've done something wrong, tried in a court. And so, no, this, this, this account, this person who is doing this account, she's not a hero in all this. And, you know, I, the final thing I'll say is that this person, I'm not going to name her name. Right. People can Google it. By the way, that's part of the point here is that her name, this, this Taylor Lorenz article wasn't what exposed this person's name. No. First of all, it had already been on a public Twitter thread. Second of all, um, it was easily findable. She'd registered with her real name and cell phone number, the domain name. Any, any idiot with a Google account and 15 minutes on their hands could find out who was running this account. Okay. So mm -hmm. this wasn't like some major doxing thing, but I, I, this person had influence. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ron DeSantis's press secretary came out on Twitter and said, oh, this is really influencing the so-called don't say gay bill. This was, this was foundational. The, her stuff is being reposted and talked about on Tucker Carlson, Fox News, all across the right. This is a person with significant influence in our social discourse. So there is an argument here that they don't get to hide behind a wall of anonymity, okay? What if this person were a bot or a Russian or a Russian bot or taking money from who knows where? What if this person said something libelous? Well, if she were sued in court for libel, then there's no wall of anonymity there. You would have to disclose to a court who you were. So again, I, I think these people who are trying to manufacture an issue out of doxing and that this person has been done wrong. No, not at all. Not even close. But I'm not going to go out and defend Taylor Lorenz either. This whole thing is stupid. Can I go now? Yeah, totally. It, what's it, what's really in defense of lives of TikTok, at least it, it seems like they've really gone. She really went down a like especially down the activist route the last few months. And I feel like it, the cut, what she really was doing the last few months it was a lot more down the route of I'm going to be really feeding into this conservative angle that has just exploded around her. She was on Tucker Carlson multiple times. Um, it, it's... I mean, before that, it was entirely just um, just here's your crazies. Go go to libs of TikTok. You can find your crazies. You can have a chuckle. Maybe there'll be some stuff in there. It's like ah, eh, that's kind of just gross. Or and some of it's exposing some some really weird things that that she encountered on social media. But it, I mean, what's 
I, 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 I was really interesting that you, you brought up, I thought, especially was the aspect of is this a, someone that shouldn't necessarily be having too much of a sway on our current political discourse? For example, we I've seen this a lot when it comes to the conservative side of the house with and you might too from from the left I, i'm not really plugged into that as much is uh international report quote-unquote reporters doing coverage that is very one-sided and getting that into the the right-wing mainstream media um ian miles chung is a prime example of that it was exposed a couple years ago that he's actually uh, i think he's pulling the in Polynesia or Indonesia in that part of the world he he's not American whatsoever he's not fit into our political system um I'm really conflicted as much as I'm a huge fan of the podcast of the Lotus Eaters Sargon of Akkad is the this the guy's online personality and he branched out and went really mainstream and set up his own media company that's based out of England and I'm torn sometimes with the amount of focus and pushing the what should happen in America with his British worldview? Because it is very different. And how much do we want to have? We we've heard up and down. We don't want Russia to be interfering with it. But if this other side from another country agrees with us, we're going to rah rah them right to the top. Absolutely. Look, uh, are you a Harry Potter fan? It's not I like I'm asking you. Do you kid. like apples? Right. <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you might remember the guidance from the second. Harry Potter book, never interact with a magical instrument unless you know where it keeps its brain. It's actually really good advice for social media, right? It, nowadays, I just finished recording an episode of Beyond Politics that people can check out with guys. This is the top election law expert in America. His name is Rick Hassan. Just go online. You'll, you'll find him all over the place. He, he's someone who people listen to. He's, a, he's an unalloyed expert. And his most recent book is about disinformation. And that, this is the point is that online speech, I like free speech. I'm in favor of free speech, but online speech has become so cheap. And everyone from the, the biggest misinformed idiot to the Russian troll, to the Russian bot, to the top election law expert in America, they have the exact same megaphone online. They have the exact same opportunity to influence people. Well, I don't want anyone influencing me unless I know where they keep their brain. Right. I want to know where they get their money from. I want to know what their background is. I want to know, are they legitimate? Like, do they use real sources? Do they use credible information? Are they a QAnon loony? Well, this person who is the proprietor of libs of TikTok, you know, right after January 6th, she claimed, oh, I was there. Here's what went down. It was totally normal. It was no worse than a BLM protest. It wasn't violent. Well, okay, that's like hearing a clock chime for a 13th time. It's not only wrong in itself, it calls the underlying mechanism of what's going on into question. I mean, this is also someone who has called on her followers online to contact schools that were allowing boys in the girls' bathrooms. All right, look, I, I have some mixed feelings on that particular thing, but this is another one of these like groomer things. As you say, I want to know where she's coming from, what kind of agenda she has, what is she pushing? And nowadays, do I trust everything that I see in a video? No, there are deep fakes, there's selective editing, there's commentary on top of it, there's taking out of context. So yes, I, I entirely agree with you that is there a is there a place for calling out the nutballs 
And maybe if there are nutballs who are putting themselves out on TikTok saying crazy things, maybe they shouldn't be teaching our young children. I agree with that. I think most people agree with that. But I also want the other side of the coin. I want to know where these people running these accounts get their money and where they keep their brain. And what's really annoying about the article that Taylor Lorenz wrote, once again, it's in the Washington Post. I mean, you're not talking about some local rag that uh, is just trying to get some clicks on social media. So there's always, I always have to look, when I, I see a new news outlet online, I always got to double check to make sure this isn't some scammy newspaper. Right. Um, it is, this is the Washington Post, and it was written like it, like she's a college student just trying to write up as many bad things as she possibly can about this person. And once again, I, I, I disagree a bit when it comes to it's like she literally posted po- put a link to her real estate license. Which if you don't know how to look that, if you don't know necessarily that she's a real estate uh, person, that that that's really shady. And the fact the Washington Post allowed that to get publicly put out there and hyperlinked so anyone could find it. She also turned around like a moron and posted a picture of her home straight on her Twitter account and lives at TikTok, which I, I mean, my God, guys, can we figure, I understand you're upset, but if you're calling someone out for doxing you, don't turn around and dox yourself. Right. And also try a little bit harder. Like, I, I think that I think that this anonymity thing was partly a scam. Because you're appearing on Fox News, but you're doing it anonymously. And, you are yeah. you know, it's like it's like you're an insider. No, you're not. It you're a real Fox estate agent bad. in New York. If, if right. Fox wanted to pick them up, it, like I'm not going to have some random anonymous person on my media outlet through me. Like I'm going to make sure you actually are who you are. I make sure like I didn't know anything about Americans for Prosperity that I looked into them. I I've spoken to people that have interacted with them. And that's the reason why I've come to the conclusion that I'm OK with having them on my show. I trust me. I know they're Coke funded and everything, but I, I make sure specifically what they're coming and talk about is something like, OK, I'm OK with platforming it. Fox News should not have had this person on, at least without verification or at least saying they verified this is someone we believe is trustworthy to some some way, like just like like Washington Post, they, they, there needs to be a certain level of ethical journalism somewhere in this. Well, yeah, absolutely. And look, if you if you look, just Google Taylor Lorenz right now, and the top hits that come up are self-referential articles on Fox News. So I'll give mm-hmm. you an example, right? Again, Fox News is so thrilled with this. They're like, they're oh, yeah. tenting their fingers and they're drooling a so little bit. So many, much clicks oh, for money there juicy, on Yes, clicks for money. Bam, you nailed it. Because what they get to do is they get to do a segment on Carlson last night. And then they do an article today that says, the title is something like, you know, uh, Washington Post slammed for, you know, effect of blah, 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 slammed. They had one person that they got on their show saying that, and then they recycle it into a new article. Then they get a react article to that article and they perpetuate the cycle. It's a, it's a virtual nonstop money-making machine. And that's the thing is that I kind of meant it before when I said that we're living through a crap NATO. Because you started on the on the perfect the perfect note on this show, there are real problems going on in the world. Okay, there are people in Ukraine who were living, you know, their normal lives 
and are now, if they're lucky in a fallout shelter, if not fled across the border, a friend of mine, a friend of mine who's Ukrainian, just got back from a few weeks at the, Pol- at the Polish border, helping refugees fleeing across the border. Those are real problems, okay? But what you get on Fox News is the crap NATO. And I'm not absolving the Washington Post in this either, but it's 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 clickish and it's it's ultimately dumb. And I think it's kind of poisoning all of our brains. Thanks so much for uh, continuing this conversation, Matt. It's always a pleasure. You know what I really appreciate about when we get together is we come from slightly different perspectives. We're both close enough to the center that it's really not that long of a bridge that we have to walk across. But this is the kind of discussion, I think, not to you know sprain a shoulder, patting ourselves on the back, but this is the kind of conversation we need more of in American politics. That's my view. Let's ruin that, okay? All right, let's ruin it. Let's ruin it. You had a horrible opinion on Joe Biden, and I want yes. to talk about it. <laughs> yes, good. Bring so, it. So you had this piece saying that Joe Biden – what what was your thesis? Start with that. Just, All right. I, I want to say something as a writer to anyone else who's ever written an article for publication out there. You know that you don't always pick the title, okay? Your editor has a lot to say about that. That said, I had no problem – really, with the title that my editor ultimately selected, which was Biden's year one grade, A+. plus. Any other answer is insane. It's, it's a hell of a, hell of a headline. Boom. I gotta say that. It it's got not so clickbait, much people. <laughs> it's great. And, and, I, and I listened, you, you actually spoke to, uh, uh, spoke about it on, on Beyond Politics. I listened to that interview too a month ago or two months ago when that came out. But my God, it hurt my brain, Matt. It hurt my brain. I'm hearing right. this this babbling old man that keeps going to the podium, unable to put a coherent sentence together. And Jen Psaki was covering him is what it comes across like half the time. We're getting these weird, uh, instead of like individual pet acts and stuff trying to get through Congress. We have these massive infrastructure. We're going to build back better, and they don't seem to really go anywhere for the most part, except for the infrastructure bill, which is a huge push, and no one really understands what it means. I, I Make make a case for me, because I'm lost. <laughs> First of all, when you describe an incoherent old man going to the podium, which recent president were you good, speaking good point, about? Good point. Yeah, okay. All right. Just, just so we're all clear <laughs> here. I will take the Pepsi challenge on Joe Biden's coherence against Donald Trump's coherence any day. Not that I'm suggesting that a race to the bottom in this regard when the leader of the free world is a great thing, okay? But Joe Biden is clearly compass mentis, okay? He has a working brain. You cannot claim that about Donald Trump in good faith. Joe Biden, for the most part, most of his malapropisms, most of his misspeaking comes down to the fact that he had a childhood stutter. And I'm not so- buying that anymore. He spoke so well for decades. Well, there no, no, no. If you go back to the video tape, years. he hasn't exactly been. He hasn't exactly. Oh, been he's always Mr. been a moron. He's always said he's been a gaff machine. Uh, he's been a gaff ever, forever. Well, I remember laughing about that in college. <laughs> But look, 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 let's go with the Batman Begins principle, which okay. is which is judge me by what I do or what our Christian Bale says at the end of that movie. So, look, first of all, I want to quote a, a, an oft used aphorism that that Biden himself is fond of quoting. Don't compare me to the almighty. Compare me to the alternative. I, but the reason I argue that the grade that Joe Biden should get is a plus 
is we have got to compare to the alternative. If you look across where we were on January 20th, but really January 6th of 2021, and where we were one year later, just think back for a second to the second half of 2020, okay? We've been living through four years of a water cannon of lies, 30,000 documented lies, documented lies. I'm sorry, I was raised to believe that lying was wrong. That's a starting point for you. His cabinet, Donald Trump's cabinet was made up of thieves and grifters. There was the, the deadly and disastrous denial of COVID. There was the child separation policy, which I mean, look, you, you, can, you can argue about this till the cows come home. That's morally wrong. That's wrong. It's wrong. There was him licking the boots practically, if not literally, of Vladimir Putin in Helsinki, something that would have sent Ronald Reagan spinning in his grave. There was the impeachable, I would like you to do us a favor, though, abuse of his office. Anyone who claims that that wasn't an abuse of the, of the office of the presidency does not care about the Constitution. There was some very fine people of both sides. You had the white supremacists and the other people. They're basically equal. You had all of that. You had his disastrous pullout from Syria. Does anyone even remember that where we abandoned our allies and we let the Russians take over our own military bases? There was the 300,000 jobs and $300 billion lost to his China trade war. There was the nonstop. Let, okay. Let, all right. Let's turn around and also say on the other side, Joe Biden's disastrous pullout of Afghanistan, which I, was not me, great. I wanted that out. I wanted that to happen forever ago also, but that was terrible. The, 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 the just, just political gold that is Maggie Hassan at the wall <laughs> down in, down in Texas or Florida wherever she was saying we need to fund build fund fund the wall being built and such which is just just gold I, I laughed about that for days and, and like there, there's little things like that the the total incompetence you said it no you said it though there's little things like that I I just I, would you go with me on this go with okay. me on this Let's keep these things in proportion because it's not just the litany of insanities and crimes from the Trump era. It's the could we spin this forward if Donald Trump were president right now and how galactically, can I say screwed on the radio, yes. how badly off we would be right now. I, I just just to put this in context, is inflation going badly right now? Yes, inflation is going badly. I also just love the people who say, well, inflation is because of spending. Well, of the $5 trillion that we spent, $4 trillion of it was bipartisan, passed under Donald Trump. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was the American Rescue Plan. That's what caused all the inflation, not the supply chain, not coming out of the COVID pandemic, not the interruption of gas drilling, which was because of market cycle, not because of policy, none of those things, and not the $4 trillion. That was Joe Biden's fault, right? Was the was the pullout from Afghanistan poorly managed? Yes, it, it was a bad outcome. It was a bad outcome. But you just said a moment ago, it was probably the right underlying policy. And yes, the, the machinery under Joe Biden missed the signs that this could evaporate that security could evaporate in a matter of weeks they missed it okay and joe biden went ahead with with the decision anyway is that all joe biden's fault no does the buck stop with him yes so 
I'm not arguing that things haven't gone badly from time to time or that Joe Biden has made perfect decisions. What I'm arguing is we might have seen the end of America by now if we had gone the other way collectively as the American people in our presidential decision of 2020. We nearly did at the tail end of the Trump era, and we have been saved from that. I think Trump really – I've said this multiple times. If you listen to New Hampshire, Hampshire Journal, which is the conservative outlet in the state, he's uh, – Michael Graham has even said outright multiple times, the stop the steal nonsense was nonsense and totally useless. And the facts that that went down the way it did is the reason why I will never vote for Trump again. Like I did vote – I didn't vote for him for the first round. I voted for him for the second round because of – uh, the old, the old, the old guy over there, uh, present house plant, as uh, <laughs> the, the people enjoy making fun of him for for uh, as a nickname. But that basically put such a bitter taste in the mouth of myself and so many people on the center right that it it will take a hell of a bad candidate in order for for them to even consider putting their vote towards uh, towards Trump ever again. Or and it. And he better be really careful if we come closer to this next November, too, with if he pushes too hard on some of these conservative candidates that are MAGA-y, uh, because he could be a poison pill for many of them. Well, you know, we kind of buried the lead here. We kind of buried the lead here. Donald Trump attempted a coup. Okay. Uh, he incited an I, insurrection. You take that a lot further than I say, but yeah. well, I, I think okay, that okay, we could we could have a separate conversation about this, yeah. but I think I mean, there's a lot more internet weirdos than it, than it no, is I don't, anything else I don't think, and poor management by the Capitol Police. Uh I'm not sure that I blame the Capitol Police for the we're going to march down to the Capitol and show them we mean business. And I'm going to be right uh, there. After with everything you. we heard from Black Lives Matter during all those. They, riots, they weren't calling for a coup. They weren't they, calling no, for a coup. No, they said they were around burning down cities. Seven uh, out of every 100 protests during George Floyd, after George Floyd, turned into a riot. Do, do you think do you think burning down cities is, is maybe taking a little bit far? They didn't try to overtake they didn't try to, first of all, hang Mike Pence, which is what the insurrectionists were chanting, right? They didn't try to stop the legitimate transfer of power in America. That means toppling. That's the my government. problem with it. That's what you call a coup. That is disqualifying. So on one side, you've got Joe Biden who you're like, uh, I don't like the way he talks that much. We've got inflation problems now, which maybe are partly, you know, his fault, but not really. Maybe he didn't pass everything he wanted to pass. I don't like all his policies. You know, I don't like I don't like all that stuff. You've got that on one side. And on the other side, you have the guy who tried to foment a coup. OK, to me, that is no comparison. And again, there's the long litany of disasters. And I could keep going. I only got about a third of the way through my list. So, I, again, to me, this argument isn't I'm not trying to it, the, the title's a bit of a straw man. I know. I know. I'm not really trying to say that Joe Biden is perfect because that's laughably not true. Yeah, not true. I'm just, and I'm not trying to say that he's awesome in all ways. He's my ideal president. I'm not trying to say any of that. I'm saying if you throw all the partisan BS out the window and you just say, how badly off were we at the end of 2020? How much better off are we having gotten rid of that maniac and having a reasonably sane person in office? It's it's almost incalculable. As a big alternative universe speculation, I, I 
I, it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened if the vaccine had come up. Just imagine if the timeline was offset a little more. If the vaccine came came out a year before the 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 election, what sort of impact in the reestablishment of the economy would have happened under Trump? Because that's one of my biggest issues is the the, the real slowdown that partially was a state level issue, part of it was the federal issue. The the back and forth when it came to because partially because of Trump, because Trump made everyone paranoid and and, and downplaying the virus and saying it's it's nothing and nothing to be concerned about is the, the deaths continued to pile up. But when the deaths stopped piling up, the Biden administration kept sending these wishy washy changing every week messages on the state of the virus. And I think that did a real number to the fact of the culture fear we're now having because, Matt, you don't need to wear a mask on an airplane anymore where there's HEPA filters and there's zero proof that there is a vector of transmission. I agree with you that the communication. And I'm going to say this as I'm not blame storming here. OK, the communication from our public health leadership. I just had Donald G. McNeil Jr. Yeah, who's great. Former- Those interviews, Don McNeil is great. I was so disappointed when he got he got let go from The Times. That was deeply unjust. And I have privately. Well, we, we don't talk about that on the air yes. because <laughs> it's a whole can of worms. But let me put it this way. I I, I greatly respect his expertise and what he does. And he's a fantastic guest and people should check out and beyond politics from this week, our our recent interview with him. One of the things he pointed out is exactly what you were just saying, AJ, which is that what really matters in fighting back against a pandemic is the amount of trust that people have in their government when it comes to health information, which is a different thing than the general level of trust. That equation got totally blown up. Now, Some of it is Donald Trump's fault. Some of it is Anthony Fauci's fault. Some of it is Deborah Birx's fault. There's a lot of fault, a lot of blame. A substantial amount of that is Donald Trump's fault, but whatever. And by the way, some of it is Joe Biden's fault too. And there's plenty of blame to go around, but that, and some of it is, is there, there, some of it is, it could not have been fixed because we were learning on the fly. Yeah, there was only so much we it could came, do. It came so quickly, mutated so quickly. Right. Omicron just out of nowhere. Like it, it was within three weeks of the announcement. It was the primary vi- version of the virus in New Hampshire. Yeah. And, you know, I, actually, I'm really glad you said that because it connects to a larger point that I've been thinking a lot about. I haven't fully cooked it. I want to write about it. I just I, I'm not quite there yet. But. You make a really, really important point, which is we're talking about how there's fault, there's blame from our leaders when it comes to the lack of trust that we all developed in what we were hearing from our government. But there's also some things that alternative universe couldn't have been avoided, right? Can't be fixed. And I think about that when it comes to, you hear this kind of tautological argument, right? This like um, begging the question argument from the right about Joe Biden, which is they say Joe Biden is failing. Why? Because his approval rating is low. Why is his approval rating low? Because he's failing. See, (laughs) you go around and around in the circle. The way off of that circle out of the look kids, Big Ben parliament is to realize, well, wait a second. I had Neil Levesque on my show a couple of weeks ago, he runs the St. Anselm Institute of Politics, former Republican staffer, great guy, 
go back 15 years, friend of mine who I highly respect. He made a point on that show that I disagreed with. I agree with everything else he always says. He said, well, in our most recent poll, people who say the country's on the wrong track, 68%, that's like an unprecedented number in American politics. My reaction to that, which I say for off the air, was, look, man, if you look back, if you're enough of a nerd that you look back at the last 50 years of Gallup polling, which I am a giant nerd, so I did, you find, do you know what the average level of people in America saying that America's on the wrong track is? 68%. And over the last 10 years, it's even higher, 71%. And so my point is, what I'm beginning to think about is maybe Americans are deeply unhappy. We're deeply unhappy for all kinds of reasons that our political system and our government is not equipped to deal with. These are not problems that our politics are sort of designed to handle. They're deep sociological problems. They're problems with the ways we interact with social media and technology. They're problems with the the economics of our society and what we all come to expect. And I'm not sure that the government can solve those problems. I'm not sure our politics can solve those problems. And I'm not sure that one party or the other has all the right answers. And so when people make this argument, well, Joe Biden's terrible. Look, only a third of Americans approve of him. I'm like, wait a second. Is that on Biden? Or is that on the fact that we're really dissatisfied and we were going to be dissatisfied no matter what after the shine came off of a new president? And we've got much deeper problems that our politics can deal with. Yeah, and people expected a lot of Joe Biden coming in post Trump that he just was not it was not possible for him to do partially a because of the coronavirus b it's it's an old establishment politician he's not some far left progressive of course he's not going to that 10 to 15% of the democratic party of course they're not going to be happy with him and that long term dissatisfaction with the direction of the country I, if i had to guess has also to do with the nature of America where it's a constantly evolving culture. It is not a couple thousand years old where we have have our ways set in to be a certain way. Um, and, and one of the big differences I say between the Democrats and the Republicans uh, from an ideological standpoint is the pace of change is probably a big, big aspect to it. All right. With that, let's hit a quick wrap up of the show that I did with me and AJ. Here we are coming right back from an ad break. I really think that's a big difference between the nature of conservatives and liberals. I'm not talking about the progressives. I don't give a crap about the leftists and the progressives. That's a totally different thing. They're the extreme. But when it comes to a majority of Americans, which is probably that 66% of Americans for the most part, the real divide is how quickly culture should change and whether it should be state by state or at the federal level. I think those are the, it's the biggest thing. Right. There was a great report on this, some deep polling and survey research a few years ago called the Hidden Tribes Report, found that about 7% of the population is activist extreme on the right, about another 7% on the left. And then you've got about 85, 86% left in the middle. That's most of us. And the good news, if there is any good news in this story, is that a lot of us kind of fall into that gray zone and we have mixed feelings about this. You know, do we want progress on issues like uh, race in our society? Do we want everyone to be treated fairly and, and with equality, you know, gay, straight, trans, non-trans, wh- whatever it is? Yes, we believe in those things and that binds us together. 
The bad news is that we don't quite agree on the pace of change, like you were just saying. And just to kind of take our, our conversation full circle, mm -hmm. I think the piece that we haven't figured out is the piece you, you started with, not the Ukraine piece, the Taylor Lorenz piece, and the crap NATO of insanity that social media leads to and the incentives for virality and eyeballs and clicks. The, the piece of this that we haven't grappled with, in my mind, is we've introduced a highly addictive, highly potent, explosive element into our society, the way we relate to each other, the way we think, the way we get information over the last 10 to 15 years. We've done a real-time experiment on our brains and our society in the form of social media. And we don't really understand all of its effects, but we have plenty of evidence that those effects are largely bad. Yeah. So what I worry about is as much as we're kind of all mostly in that 85%, that's good. The social media aspect is dragging us in the wrong direction. And that that makes me worried. And it's really confusing if you're someone that wants to, to figure out what's going on in the world using social media because it's the best way to kind of get a feel for so much of the population, why I'm on Twitter so much. But you, you have to find a balance between being annoyed at re reading opinions that just annoy you so much is the reason why I don't look to the Times and the Post and such primarily for my news. It, but also not just being just going entirely with the side you agree with. Like, like I'm a, I've said it repeatedly on the show. I'm a huge fan of Breaking Points. I think it's one of the best podcasts out there that you can listen to as a center left and a, and a center right person. Sager is definitely center right. Crystal Ball is a little further to the left, I think, when you're looking at, at where the middle is. Uh, but it's not the focus on the culture war stuff. It's the focus on labor, which is such a huge important thing right now is labor and what's going on with the unionization efforts. And what's going on with Ukraine is really important. Um, I don't really care about Boris Johnson's house party that happened at Christmas. I'm sorry if for Brits. Like I talk about listening to the podcast of the Lotus Eaves. I understand why you're mad. I don't care about that. We have our own problems in our country, and social media, unfortunately, makes these international issues important to us when it shouldn't be. Absolutely. I, I don't care either. And the one thing I will say, again, kind of going full circle on this, is that I try really hard on the shows that I do and the writing I do, notwithstanding the title, Biden Deserves an A+, which I stand by. I try really, really hard to, at the very least, not annoy people who are in the center right. I'm going to annoy activist right wing people. I'm going to, I, by my existence, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mean to. But I want the, the stuff I do to be accessible and non-annoying. <laughs> and it, it's, it's the only way, it's just to kind of keep putting out a high quality product. Definitely. 100%. It's my goal here when I do the news. It's my goal in my interviews. I get people that I don't always agree with on everything, but we try and find what we agree with. It's the reason why I have Matt Robeson here, host of Beyond Politics. Check them out at nhtalkradio.com, and you can listen to them on WKXL Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, Beyond Politics and all your favorite podcast platforms, in addition to the New England Take. Hey, Matt Robeson back here again. Just to wrap up the show, I want to echo what AJ was saying at the end there. I really appreciated him having me on his show. And I hope that you will, having made it all the way here on WKXL to the end of the show, I hope you'll subscribe to both the New England Take. You can find that anywhere you 
listen to your podcast, and also to Beyond Politics. We really do appreciate all of your subscriptions. Every time you hit play, every time you hit download, or if you subscribe, which does that automatically, it helps us out. It helps new listeners to find these shows. So do us a favor, do that right now. Just go to your phone, go to your laptop, and hit those subscribe buttons. 